Hi, I'm Tony Fair, founder of Victorian Grooming Company. Is your beard feeling dry or the skin underneath itchy? Maybe you'd rather soften and tame your beard instead. Our classic collection of beard oils, balms, and soaps will leave your beard looking, feeling, and smelling amazing. And if you prefer shaving, our pre-shave oils and shave soaps will give you a smooth and razor burn free shave. Handmade in Edmonton with natural ingredients, visit victoriangrooming.com. Hi guys, Craig here. Welcome to another edition of the podcast, Tell Craig Your Story. Today we'll be talking to surfing legend Luke Egan. Now Luke was born in Newcastle, Australia. At the age of seven, he started learning how to surf. He was a member of the Merriweather Board Riding Club, which he still is a member today. Now Luke's father, Sam Egan, used to own a surf shop in Newcastle and as of today is still making quality surfboards. Now Luke is one of the world's leading pro surfers with a style that has power and incredible tube riding. He was a part of the ASP World Tour for 22 years and he won four World Tour events. In the 2000 series he was runner-up and he was in the top five five times in his career. In 97 he won the Quicksilver Pro. In 2000 he won the Quicksilver Pro in Bali. In 2002, the Boost Mobile Pro by Billabong, and 2004, the Billabong Pro. Then he moved on to continue working with Billabong. In 2005, he retired from surfing, but he was always involved with current World Tour events. In 2008, he was an elite coach working with Joel Parkinson. Now, Luke is also involved with property development in Bali and the Gold Coast, and Luke's wife, Jessica Yates is also a sports presenter on Fox Sports. But before we go, please go to our website. We are at Podbean. Tell Craig Your Story at podbean.com. We have a link tree there which tells you where Tell Craig Your Story podcast is streaming. We are on all the major streaming services. Google Podcast, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, to name a few. We are on all the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we have VK for our Russian listeners and WeChat for our Chinese listeners. At Tell Craig Your Story.
All right, here we go. This is my chat with surfing legend Luke Egan on Tell Craig Your Story podcast. Hi, Luke. How are you going this afternoon? Very good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Thank you very much for your time. I know you're a busy, busy man, and I'm sure you want to get back into the water <laughs> after this. Yeah, let, let's first off, let's talk about 2021. Can you give like a bit of like a review of, of last year? Well, 2021, things changed drastically for me. Australian quarantine pretty much decimated my coaching role on the right. WSL tour. Yeah. But uh, it's not all negative, though. I have a beautiful little 10-month-old son, and he was born uh, late, um, late March. And I was prepared to do some traveling with uh, away from him. But once the uh, Australian leg of the WSL uh, tour finished, I decided that I wouldn't go away and do all the quarantine coming back into Australia and just spend time with the family up till Christmas, which is just gone. So uh, reality check, getting back into work this time, <laughs> getting back into it. But it's been, you know, just tried to make a – positive time out of a, a pretty negative uh, situation and just spend as much time with my family as I could. And um, yeah, so that's what's got me to this point through 21. Have you been able to travel now? I do believe that the Australian borders have stopped now. So as long as you've got the injection, right? Yeah, that's correct. As long as you're vaccinated, you can move around quite freely. You can move overseas now without having to quarantine for two weeks in a hotel room. I did that last January. I went to Hawaii and uh, worked for Julian Wilson for the Pipeline Masters. And then um, the sunset contest was cancelled because of an outbreak in the area. Right. And then come home and did I, I did the two weeks quarantine before I got to see the family. And, wow, it was tough. It was a real yeah. tough one. I take my hat off to anyone that's done multiple, which... Julian ended up doing it three times. So six weeks he sat in in the, in the city of Sydney in a hotel just waiting to see his family. And I've heard of people doing it more than that. So, I, you know what, I'd be over, I was over in, in Hawaii and um, not once did I get angry at the government or go, oh, what are they doing that for? Because I just knew that once I did that quarantine, I got home and I was safe. And they were taking yeah. precautions of 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 the COVID spreading. So I was never negative about it, but gee, when you got to sit in that, in that hotel room for two weeks, <laughs> first week's okay. Second week, um, I'm pretty active and, um, yeah. And, and move, move around a lot and yeah, it took its toll on me. So I decided, you know, for other reasons as well, I just took the year off and, um, and just been at home with the family and surfing and mountain biking and, all the other good things. So I've been able to do plenty of things that I love doing through that time. So I've uh, yeah. I've, I've had a good time here, here at home. Yeah, absolutely. Did they do surf first or was it cancelled because of the restrictions? They actually, what happened was they, with with the restrictions, hard, hard to, you know, like Victoria was in a bad space. Yes. So bells couldn't run. Um, there was a few issues in getting into Queensland. You know, all the states had their different rules. So we ended up having a world championship tour event at Merriweather 
which was fantastic. Oh. It was it was incredible. Um, it was so good. I'm, I'm part of the Murray with a Surfboard Club. I have since I was about 10 years old. And um, just seeing all the young kids from that area see a World Championship Tour event and all the all the greats show up, John Florence and, you know, Julian Wilson's from there, um, all the others, Italo, Ferreira and uh, Gabriel Medina and all those guys come to their home beach and put on a performance that was pretty inspirational. It was, you know, it gave me goosebumps watching all the kids just see the best at their beach. And then yeah. they moved to Narrabeen, so they just, you know, hats off to WSL just were very versatile and um the new south wales government were, were very accommodating to get those events done and so we had two championship tour events here and then we went off to western australia and had two one in margaret river and one on rottenest island and that took us all the way up to about april um i worked for julian in those events and young caroline marks from florida i worked for her also um but then, yeah, I just decided after Rottnest, I was just getting closer and closer to having to go. So I would probably would have had to leave home in May, and I would have only got home in about November. And right. a little boy at home, uh, and and of course, yes. my daughters, uh, I've done the hard yards many years ago. I <laughs> travelled the world for a long time. I I really enjoy coaching, but we first this time and stayed home uh, yeah. from that point. Yeah, absolutely. Did you have did you personally uh, like for 2020 when it first started? Did you have to sort of cancel anything, or you know, how did you sort of adapt? Uh, you know, having a family and you uh, having to do a lot of travel. Yeah, we had to adapt, but it was a lot of hurry up and wait. Like a lot of yeah. events were on and then they were cancelled. So I was, <sighs> I was working for Julian Wilson and we we're doing a lot of training and um, being, you know, like you'd, it'd go all the way up to a certain point and then you'd be like there's no way they can you know you were still not allowed to travel we're still not allowed to do anything so the contest would get cancelled they'd make new plans and then and things would happen again so 2019 was like all year we just kept trying to stay motivated and keep keep everything to a point that it needed to be at so there wasn't too much competing, so there was just a lot of training and stuff like that, but um, right. no no real contest um, happened that, yeah, that pretty much the tour was cancelled. So, um, yeah, and then we headed to um, Hawaii in just in December, spent Christmas there and into January for the start of the season that's finished in September at Trestles. So what was that like, finally getting back after that, that huge break was it good to see everybody and get back to sort of reality again yeah it was good yeah it was great especially going into hawaii too um it's one of my favorite places in the world to spend time i've got great friends there friends that i pretty much call family i've been going there since i was about 14 years old so i love the place and especially at this time of year there's a lot of good swell uh good winds um perfect for surfing and so it was great to be back there and it was Great to finally get back into, you know, what we enjoy doing. And it looks good. I mean, <laughs> this year, hopefully all good. Uh, you know, the restrictions are starting to go away. So hopefully for not only surfing, but for everyone in general, we can sort of start moving around and getting on with our lives. So uh, let's go back, way back. We have very similar upbringings. We're both born in the great city of Newcastle, Australia. Tell us about growing up there. What are some of your memories growing up there as a kid in Newcastle? 
Yeah, I love Newcastle. Um, spent all my childhood there right up to my early 20s. Of course, traveling and, and then started traveling a lot in the world tour. But uh, living, just living and riding my bike to Mary River Beach, going surfing and being part of the Mary River Surfboard Club. Yeah, it was it was a dream place to grow up. There was really good surf. Yeah, uh, school was good. Yeah, I couldn't ask for much more. It was uh, it was great. My dad is a surfboard shaper, so you know we had a surf shop, we had a surfboard factory. I was into surfing, so yeah, pretty blessed. Yeah. And when did you sort of uh, realize, it says here that you were seven years old when you first started uh, getting involved uh, with surfing. Is that correct? Yeah, about that. I, I got scared. I got I got pretty much scared out of surfing around eight or nine. Right. What was um, that? Dad, Dad took me out in surf that was a bit too big. Yeah, I didn't do it for about a year. I started skateboarding more than I was oh. surfing. And then I... Uh, I skateboarded for about a year and then he took me to a contest down at Manly Beach and I hadn't surfed in ages and I surfed and it was it just seemed really fun. I was back in the water and did really good in the contest, made the final quite easily, end up second to Nick Wood right. in that event. And then I was like, oh, wow, this is awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying this again. So I was back in the water from that point. It was, uh, yeah, from then on, I was just hooked again and, and I've never stopped again, pretty much. Sk- only skateboarded a little bit from then on. Yeah, ended up surfing was it. Was it easy for you uh, at the start, like, for you to learn how to surf? Pick um, it up, pick it I up was easy. Skate- I was skateboard mad as a kid and then right. I got in the ocean and then, you know, it takes a little bit to learn about the ocean, even watching my uh, nine-year-old daughter just not being sure about, you know, the waves when they're bigger, currents, uh, you know, shore breaks and stuff like that, just easing into it. Like, I got scared. It wasn't my dad's fault. I just, We just got into a situation that I was like, I'm not going back out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was, that was sketchy. And just watching my daughter, I'm trying for that not to happen. She's had a couple of, she wants to go surfing. She's had a couple of near misses, but, uh, you know, that scare you. So it takes a little time to get to get confident in, in the ocean. So I think, you know, some places are better for it. Like the Gold Coast is just these long, rolling, beautiful waves, and it's easy right. to get out. It's nice, you know, the shore break's not too crazy Get, get over so some some places yeah some places are a lot better than others for that so where i live in merriweather was dumpy and 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 the shore break was pretty gnarly and around here's the same for, for isabella yeah so once i got over that and got to control the ocean and got more confidence and then yeah just kept building that and and then riding waves wasn't easy but i just enjoyed the i just enjoyed the just enjoyed having to be motivated to get better i used to go to surf every morning before school yes and yeah just striving to get better and and i think getting rewarded too i was lucky enough my family would take me to all the contests and once you get a good result and get rewarded you just want to get out there and try try a little harder and see if you can get better and i got into that kind of cycle um, which, you know, got me to where I was. I just enjoyed putting the work in, getting a result and, got, and was like, yeah, that was cool. That was worth, that was worth doing, doing, doing the work and, and the, you know, putting the effort in. 
Yeah, absolutely. And we, we can't go out of the podcast without mentioning uh, your father. He had a store. Uh, does he still have the store there? No, he he sold out of it quite a long time ago and then okay. someone bought it off him and, and it was still there for a very long time. His passion is in manufacturing or, or shaping surfboards. Yes. So he kind of narrowed it down to that. We had a retail store, big surfboard factory. Yeah. But dad's passion was designing and shaping. He kind of just focused on that more by selling the store. Yeah, and he's still doing it, you know, still doing it today. He's in his late 70s and, and still enjoying going in and shaping boards. And uh, he's uh, a fine joiner by trade, um, does beautiful furniture and, and getting back into making balsa surfboards again now like when he started um right. when he first started his surfboard building career they were making him out of balsa and he's got back right into that these days and is making some beautiful beautiful surfboards and was he a surfer himself obviously yes he was yeah, yeah. he was a surfer he surfed mainly at bar beach the opposite end of merriweather oh and... <laughs> <laughs> rivals <laughs> yeah exactly yeah a little bit of rivalry there between the <laughs> two beaches yeah, he grew up just down the road from there, was making his surfboards down the road from Bar Beach and um, surfed all the time and, and still surfed up till recently. Now he seems to like just going for a paddle on his paddle right. board out. He lives on the Lake Macquarie now. Oh, nice. So slowed down a bit and just, yeah, they live on a waterfront there. So he just takes his stand up down and goes for a stroll on the water these days. But, yeah, surfed up till not very long ago. Yeah, absolutely. And you spoke about it before, the Merriweather Surf Club, always going past there when I was living in Newcastle, uh, always having competition. So uh, what what does it mean to you? I mean, uh, you've been a member for so long now. Yeah, Merriweather, I have to give a lot of credit to Merriweather for where I ended up in my career. The, the competition was always fierce. The advice was always good. Um, the support was massive. So, you know, I, Merriweather contributed huge, huge, hugely to my surfing career. I, um, yeah, and that's why I'm still part of it now, even though I don't live in the – or I haven't lived in the Merriweather area now for a very long time. But that whole time I've always participated in everything with them and, um, and still surfed for the club up to recently, um, represented the club in the team's events and surfed for the team. And um, yeah, when we got when we've got special events there, I drive up and and participate. Yeah, absolutely. That's great for Newcastle surfing as well. And speaking, you were saying before just a little bit about up and coming surfers from Newcastle. Are there any that that come to mind that you can recommend? We have the best group of talent we've had in in many years. Morgan simply just made the tour last year and ended up in the top five. Nice. Um, he wasn't originally from Merriweather, but then ended up spending a, a lot of time in, in our area. Uh, of course, Ryan Callanan's probably been the best um, born and bred in recent times. And Jackson Baker has just managed to get himself on the WCT for the first time in 2022 and surfed to quite a good heat just the other day at the Pipeline Masters for his first heat of his career. So we've got some really good surfers at the high level. It's been a while since we've had this many at the at that level, and um, yeah, like I said before, the 
the World Championship Tour being at Merrier the other day, I'm sure we've just inspired at the beginning of the year. I thought I'm sure we've just inspired some more talent. So we'll probably see some more in the future because the club gets really behind them. Any prize money we make from any team team events or anything like that goes straight into the young development um, of the juniors and um, that all goes straight back into those guys. And I'm a bit of, I'm a part of it now. I do some coaching of, of those guys and yes. I did some training with Jackson Baker for his uh, Challenger Series campaign. So I enjoy um, being part of that as well with the club. Yeah, absolutely. So we're just talking uh, talking about Newcastle, and, and it wouldn't be you know it'd be wrong not to talk about uh, Mark Richards, also a famous uh, surfer from from Newcastle, won uh, numerous uh, world championships. I saw on your Instagram, and I want you to tell me the story. Uh, maybe you can't remember, but he said that when you were 17 years old, you were the caddy for him, and he said that it was quoted saying that you were a huge inspiration for him for that that particular event uh, that he won. So can you remember about that? And can you tell us a bit of a background story towards that? Yeah, Mark Mark always has such kind words. Um, <laughs> it was an inspiration to me. I'll never forget it. I'll never, ever forget that for as long as I live. He, he was uh, near the end of his career, but he was still surfing very well. And in Hawaii, his experience was still um up there with the best and he loved going there and still competing in in hawaii and that was around the first you know i'd only been to hawaii a few times at that point so i was always wanting to be around mark to learn about the different spots sunset pipeline and um places where we had to compete in the in the future so yeah so i was i was just trying to get you know get what i could off mark yes and um this particular year, the first year, he asked me if I'd caddy for him. I was like, oh, wow, of course I will. Yeah, yeah. that would be amazing. But what ended up happening was um, the, what, the waves got ginormous. They got huge. And we ended up at Waimea Bay. And the waves were 15, oh, 15 to 25 feet um, throughout the day, about 15 to 20 in the morning. And then up to 25, some 30-foot closeout sets, close the bay out in a heat that I was in caddying for Mark. Um, So to see him do all that and to do it and, you know, to see how calm he was through all that, I guess when Mark was so calm, I was like, well, I've got to be calm. (laughs) If he's so calm and I'm supposed to be there for support and we're supporting the channel, I was always like, well, I've got to be calm. I've got to talk to him, you know, nice and slow and, and, and precise. When he asked me questions, I've got to know what's going on. I just try to feed him with any information that he was after. So I tried to stay as alert as I could, tell him what, you know, just give him as much information as, as I possibly could was, was my goal because I was just pretty nervous to be asked to be in that position. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and then Mark saying that, on my Instagram was, I was like, oh, wow. So, you know, that was, that was pretty cool that he, I was giving him inspiration by telling him how other people are going. Yeah. I like the ways you've been getting, you know, just, just that kind of stuff, same kind of stuff we do now when we're coaching. Um, So yeah, that was, that was incredible time. And then I ended up, he won the bill. He won, ended up winning the event, broke a couple of boards. So I had to swim, I had a couple of swims that I had to do. <laughs> um, but 
yeah, you know, I was, I, even though I was in Hawaii when I was younger, I was just taught by the whole Merriweather community, surfing community, you know, to don't be afraid to ask questions. If someone asks you for an opportunity like that, grab it. Um, be the best you can be if you get an opportunity like that. So I was just doing everything that the surfboard club taught me to be, really. And we did a good job. I th- we came back and I think he won the next year as well. And I caddied for him the second year also. So, you know, to have a partnership with one of the one of the world's most um, incredible surfers, one of the, you know, he's he's right there with Kelly Slater and what he managed to achieve in yeah. the sport. So, yeah, awesome. I still have a great relationship with Mark. I love that he's still building surfboards. He's passionate yes. about And me being a, a shaper's son, I'm still so passionate about surfboards. I still do a lot of R&D work with JS, uh, who are up on the Gold Coast. Still get a bunch of boards off my dad. Like, I think just growing up in a surfboard factory, surfboards are every, you know, it's just yeah, that's all we do. It's all about surfboards. It's, you know, we collect them, we make new ones, we redesign. It's, yeah, it's it's really fun to still be involved in that part. Yeah. It's just funny, like, when I went back to Australia, Newcastle, maybe the first time that I went back, Pearl Jam played in Newcastle, and they said the only reason why we played in Newcastle was because of Mark <laughs> Richards. <laughs> we served with him. Say that on his Instagram, like, two days ago, he had a, he was making lamingtons with his daughter, and he had a Pearl Jam T-shirt on. <laughs> uh, that's great. That's so cool. He, yeah, he loves Pearl Jam. Dire Straits, he loves Dire oh, Straits. Yeah. I'm not sure he's as good as surfer as he is guitarist, but I think he loves <laughs> guitars and he loves playing the guitar. But yeah, that's awesome. It's uh, that's been one of his passions, and it, that's so cool to hear that. That yeah, they just played that because they're miles from there. That's, that's right. So cool. <laughs> This was like our hero. It was like he took us out for a, a surf this morning and took us around Newcastle, and that's it. The only reason why we come here. So, <laughs> so cool. That's very cool. With you, like you said that you've been coaching and you've, you've had like caddies and uh, you've been like a caddy. So, did you have who, who were your coaches sort of uh, learning how to surf? Tell me about that. I had a few when I was young. Started with dad. Yeah. <laughs> dad was the first one to sit on the beach for me when I was a kid. And he did a fantastic job because he was my shaper as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I was lucky to have my surfer, shape, my surfer, uh, sorry, my coach, my shaper, and my dad on the beach through the first part of my surfing career. And then, um, and then Derek Hind, uh, I did some coaching with him. I did some coaching with uh, Terry McKenna from Newcastle. And then the one that helped me on the world tour the most was Mike Parsons, uh, Californian. Um, I was lucky enough when I was young, he took me under his wing. I did a lot of traveling with him. He gave me a lot of advice. It was about when I was trying to bust into the seating part of the tour and, and get myself a spot. So I'd be in the main event every time. Um, if it wasn't for Mike, um, just making sure that, um, you know, just helping me um, get through that part of my career. Um, yeah, I learned so much off him. He helped me so much. Uh, and and then even when I was going for world titles against Sonny Garcia and Andy Irons, he was still standing on the beach for me, um, which was which was awesome. And and now I do some work for him. He's still coaching. 
at the highest level, he coaches uh, Caroline Marks, who um, I, I pretty much assistant coach him with Caroline. I do some events with with her, and he's he's the main coach for Caroline. So, right. yeah, still working with him, and yeah, he he was he was a great asset of mine at that point. Um, yeah, through through most from from about halfway in my career till the end. Yeah. All right. So let's go through some of your highlights of your career. Uh, the first of world tour that that you won was '97, the Quicksilver Pro. So uh, tell us about that that season, the '97 season. Yeah, the '97 season. I'd um I'd had some good results. That's when I was traveling with Mark Ocalupo. I started traveling with him through '96, '97, '98. 99 I was or three years or 97 might have been the first year and I'd had an oak I'd had I'd had an all right season till then but the waves and G land like if we go back into a just sidebar a little bit on the on the tour is once once the tour ended up being at the at the A grade locations like Indonesia Tahiti Hawaii mm. more of those events that's that was where I I seemed to do do my do my best yes and um uh sorry luke why why was that is it because of your style of, of surfing it was because of this my style of surfing it was it was because of what i was passionate about i was passionate about those those places and how good the waves were in the beginning of my surfing career i actually was more passionate about finding good waves rather than competing um, for example, a few Australian titles that I'd I'd qualified for, they clashed with the with the family holiday to Bali, and I decided uh, not to go to the Australian titles because I didn't want to miss out on going to surf Uluwatu and Padang Krang uh, and Chungu and uh, you know, like still really passionate about that that side of it, and I think that part of it, and I'm quite a big guy too. I'm uh, yeah. I'm I'm only six foot, but I'm big frame, big shoulders. Um, always, you know, for as long as I can remember, I've been over say 85 kilo. And in the small beach breaks, um, sometimes that was hard for me with my size. Mm. So you know, with the with the A grade locations, there's pl- plenty of power. The waves are right. a lot steeper, a lot hollower, and um, so a combination of me being bigger and my passion for those style of waves, and Bali, uh, sorry, Gland is one of the best waves in the world. And the year I won, it was firing. We had a lot of big swell. Um, there was a lot of good waves, and um, yeah, I just felt at home with it. I'd been I'd been in Indonesia for quite a bit that season, and I just felt yeah, it was just I was really. It was big, and um, yeah, it was awesome to finally win one because it took me a while. Yeah, it says that uh, one of your main styles was surfing the tube. So obviously, yeah, you're seeing big waves there, right? Yeah, as a passion, yeah, just quality waves were just. I, I was going to say passion, but I reckon it was obsession. Obsession, <laughs> you know, like there's a point point in my life that. I do like everything else had to wait. If there was a storm going somewhere 
and I knew somewhere was, you know, and, and we'd do anything to get there. You know, once I knew different locations around the world and they were going to be, yeah, it was like we'd do we'd do anything to get there and be be there on the right time of the swell, the right tide, the right wind. Um, yeah, obsessed with make with getting great waves around the world. Everything else would go on pause. <laughs> and um, so that part of that too, I think, is why I ended up being good in the quality surf. Yeah. And I also saw uh, you're in a movie with Marco Ocalupo, like at the end of the movie. Yeah, Oki's, yeah, Marco Ocalupo, yeah. I was at, in the last section of his movie. Um, we, we spent a lot of time together through the late 90s um, on his comeback and um, was great to be travelling with him when he won his world title. Yeah. And we were kind of coaching each other through that time. I was getting my best results then. Mark helped me a huge amount to uh, get some of the best uh, results of my career at that time as well. And he managed to get a world title. I think I finished fourth or fifth in that year. So, you know, we were a great team to help each other. And um, in those times, we were um, not many people had coaches on tour. So a lot of surfers would partner up and and help each other and that's what we were doing yeah absolutely uh and 2000 uh you were runner-up in, in the world championship so close it was up and down all the way to the last event so can you tell us a little bit about the 2000 series yeah in 2000 i i lost the world to world title to sunny garcia but sunny garcia was actually a long I, I, I managed to claw back in the end and get close, mm. but he, he won it in the second last event in Brazil. The year I got close, closer than that was in 2002 with right. Andy Irons. That year got down to the second last event and I had to get through one more heat to make the the world title go to pipeline and I, I lost and I didn't make it into the final of the, of the event at Sunset. Uh, that year hurt a lot um, not to keep it going to Pipeline because I think I would have had, even though Andy Irons was incredible at Pipeline, I think I had more of a chance than what I did surfing against uh, him at Sunset. Or, you know, yeah, or even if I got a win at Sunset, I could have clawed back further, but I, uh, um, I lost in the semifinals. And that one hurt a little bit because I had put so much effort into it. I, I sometimes reminisce and go, oh, yeah, I didn't win a world title. And then it takes me about a second to just start <laughs> thinking about how blessed I am to have such a great life of even yes. challenging for world sport like surfing. Yeah, it doesn't take me long at all just to turn the whole thing around and go, are you kidding me? You're still, <clears throat> you're still doing it. I'm 53 and I'm still doing it and, and I'm part of the sport and it's given me my whole life and it's still a huge passion of my life. So, yeah, it doesn't last long to kind of beat myself up too much by not becoming a world champion. Yeah. And then the last event that you won was the 2004 Billabong Pro. Can you tell us a little bit about this one as well? Yeah, the last one I won was in Mondaca in Spain. Yes, and, that's the one. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that was awesome to win there. It was one of my favourite waves in Europe. Just to still, win, you know, I retired the next year. So to still be winning contests at, to that point was unreal. And um, in the next year, I really struggled to find the to find the enthusiasm to do the training and to keep myself at that high level. I, I was showing up, I was training, showing up, and still struggling. 
Um, and I just felt like I, I was out of steam. It, by that point, it was about 22 years of chasing it. Yeah. And, you know, some, sometimes you just know you'd show up and it's hard. It's hard. I thought I was motivated, but I don't think I could do the work to be there on the day. You know, it all takes, yeah. you know, we see great athletes and the work that's got them into that point when they walk onto the court or they paddle out for us into the surf, into the arena that we surf in, the work that goes in to be the best is huge. And um, I really struggled in 2005, so I decided to um, to decided to retire from competitive surfing. Yeah, right. And you're talking before about keeping fit. What was your diet at that time? And do you still have the same sort of fitness regime? Yeah, so 2005, I retired. I decided I did 2005. So 2006, I decided to just have a big rest and just I didn't train much. I didn't, I didn't even go to the gym. I just surfed a few times a week and just enjoyed, just enjoyed winding down such a long career. Mm. But by the end of 2006, I felt the worst I'd ever felt. Maybe it was yeah. the come down being a, uh, you know, a, a professional athlete that travelled globally every year to all these beautiful places and stuff. You get the for that as well. But straight away, all I did was start training hard to surf the best I could. And I thought, oh, wow, like I've trained my body to do this for so long that I'm just going to have to keep doing it. You know, it's just just the reasons are changing or going back to why I started. Um, I wasn't putting the jersey on to make it my living and um, and to try and beat the best in the world and be the best in the world. It was it was back to just doing it for me, chasing good surf, um, being with good friends, being part of the culture of surfing I um, and, do, and still doing good surfing. It's funny, I'm, I'm good friends with Andrew Johns and he's always said to me that he's jealous of, of us surfers or retired professional surfers because we can paddle out at any place and go and surf as hard as we want and try and relive those times or maybe get some of that adrenaline from those times of being um, at the, at the you know, in the elite group of the sport where he's got to have a whole field, a whole a lot of people, you know, the best in the world coming at him. It's a different <laughs> scenario where we can just go grab a surfboard, paddle out. Like Joel Parkinson's a really good friend of mine. And he's been, you know, second or third year retired now. And he's, I can see him just getting that point again. He's like, oh, I just, I've just got to keep surfing because I've yes. done it for so long and I'm, I'm surfing for different reasons. You know, you're out there and you're, you're still one of the best in the world, but he's just not putting the jersey on anymore and he's a little older so you surf a different you know you're doing drawing different lines you're riding different surfboards we're very very lucky to have that in our sport where footballers or basketballers or anyone like that they strength and that whole situation and all these other people involved in that team sport to play that elite for them to show their eliteness Yes. Or to just just endure their eliteness again and, and feel the, the adrenaline they get from it. So until Andrew said that to me, I didn't really realise it. And it actually made me feel even more so that I need to keep pushing and keep fit and keep surfing as, as much as I can and try and keep my level as high as, I, as long as I possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. You were saying earlier that you're now living uh, in Cronulla. Are you still a Knights fan or do you have a... No, I'm 
once a night, always a night. Oh, come on. <laughs> That's the way. <laughs> and I also saw you had a photo of Tex Hoy as well. Obviously pretty proud of him. So do you get to come down and watch some of the Knights games as well? Yeah, I try to. Uh, it's been a bit hard the last couple of years. I actually live only a, uh, only li- I live about a five-minute push-bike ride from Shark Park. So All right, there you go. Before that started building a block of flats and a, and a shopping centre next to it. Um, we haven't got rugby league games there yet, but they're coming back. And I live right near it. And if there's any game on, I still go down there to watch. And if it's a oh. nice game, even more so, I'd put it in the diary. And um, Tex, I'm Tex's godfather, so I'm I'm really good friends with Matt Hoy. Matt, so yes. just see Tex take his career to the level he has, and excited yeah. to see him take it even further. It will be phenomenal. To yeah, he's 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 got he's such a talent, and there's still a lot of hard work to do though. And um, yeah, I, I hope he I hope he um, achieves all his all his dreams and goals. Yeah. It- He's got a big chance this year now that Pierce is gone, so hopefully he gets a a, a main spot in the team this year. So yeah, yeah. Andrew Andrew's there on the coaching staff. Yes, too. Andrew Jones is well. awesome. Yes, him and um, Gids and a few of the boys are, are back there and and on the coaching staff. So let's see what that's done over the off season. I'm sure I'm sure that'll put some. Um, you know, some fire from the heritage of what those all those guys achieved will be awesome to see how they come out of the gates this year. We're due for a premiership, Luke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Overdue, yeah. I think. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So yeah, as you said, you retired in two thousand and five, but then it says here in two thousand and six you become the marketing director for Billabong as well. So you've had a long relationship, uh, like being like a sponsor during your career, right? Yeah, I was fortunate enough to retire and go into that position as marketing uh, manager at Billabong, and it was the reason I decided, like, okay, I'll step out now and go straight into a role like that because I just wanted to go and learn from some of the best in the industry. I've always had, uh, since a, since when my mum and dad had retail, Billabong, uh, sorry, surfing retail, um, I was always interested in the industry and I've always, uh, you know, kept up on what's going on and, 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 you know, my dad's been in the industry for, for a long time, over 50, 50 or 60 years. So yeah, I really enjoy that side of it. And, um, I was, uh, one of the founders of electric sunglasses and then owned the Australian business while I was competing. So I've always, yeah, ha, you know, had a lot of interest and I saw that as an opportunity to, to to learn from some of the best in the industry, and which I did. I was only there for three years. Um, some some personal stuff that happened and and for um, the same reason, wanting to get back in the water more. And, yes. And my passion for coaching was more powerful than maybe being being in the industry and working in a role in, in, in a company. And that's when I started um, working for Joel Parkinson at yeah. that time. And, yeah, so um, 2008, you started coaching. It says elite coach of Joel Parkinson. So, And then all of a sudden, it, it's just a list of all the achievements that he made while you were coaching him. So what are some of the highlights for you with coaching Joel? I, I was – I think I was – 
it was the timing was perfect because I could see Joel was trying to get himself to that next level and he was he was up for putting the effort in and doing whatever it took. I think that was the number one ingredient why the long list of achievements are there. Yeah. Uh, Joel was my camp was my blank canvas pretty much because he was up for whatever he, whatever he thought it'd take. And and he sometimes it's hard coaching. You don't want to make someone feel down, but you you're there to critique all parts of their performances and and what they're doing, and you don't want to make them feel insecure or depressed on on you you know being so critical about what they're doing. But yeah. Joel was never like that. I could just speak my mind to him, and 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 as long as I had good content to give him to help him improve that, which I always did, you know, my my personal opinion on it, uh, he'd take it on board and he'd add add a bit of his own spice, and and the and the outcome was, you know, I think we won two or three bells together. Yes. Uh, Jay Bay, yeah. I've, the list goes on that we yeah. there was a lot of event wins there and then he managed to win i didn't travel with him the year of 2012 um decided to stay home that year and he won the world title but still talking to him a fair bit and yeah kind of the work the work the work for me and him were done he i don't think i had much more to teach him or could have stood there and and done the tour with him but he went and did it on his own. I wasn't I wasn't with him the year that he actually won, but but there was a lot of big achievements up to 2011 that um was so special to be part of because he was he just turned himself into a warrior. He got really fit. Um, he was just yeah unstoppable. Just being able to do being we, we still we just chased that last swell together in Queensland, which was fantastic. The cyclone Seth and to get on the ski again with him and do some step offs and put him into some huge barrels at the back of snapper. And just the synergy, we have a really good synergy. We nearly didn't need, don't even need to talk to each other. And yeah. I think that was part of that synergy through the success he had when we had that partnership as well. And it was so satisfying too, because that's when I really realized that, um, wow, 22 years on the tour of, there's a lot of Intel up there that I didn't realize <coughs> was so uh didn't realize that that it was so precious to so many people now that surfing had got a lot bigger and there was a lot more prize money and sponsorship involved and there, you know i didn't realize how much intel i had you know i've been to all these spots where they have the wct events 20 or 30 times i've seen it in you know all these different swell directions tides winds so all that stuff is 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 what I think makes a good coach on the world tour, um, and that's why I kind of just specialise in that. I have some young kids that I only a couple of young kids that I work with, but I mm. uh, think um my my style of coaching is at that higher level for because because of how long I did the tour. Right. You also coached Courtney Cunnelog as well in 2016. What was that experience like? That was great. That was when I decided I. I, after Joel, I had a few years working back with Billabong. And Billabong, I was contest yes. There. They called me back in pretty much to be the contest director of all their events and help run their events, um, which was great. I was just after a little bit more time at home again and then um, and then decided I wanted to uh, do a bit more coaching and then Billabong organised Courtney asked, well, 
you know, I told them that I was interested in coaching again. And Courtney was great. Um, had some great WCT wins, uh, Fiji, Bells. Um, mm. There's a couple of ones there with her. That was a great partnership. She's she's a great girl. Still still there, surfing incredible. Yeah. And then there was a few after that. I've worked on and off for Ethan Ewing. Um, who else has been? There's been a few in the last few years that it's been really fun working with some some of the younger guys. Sounds like you're the go-to person for the coaching. <laughs> there's a few. There's a few of us. There's uh, Jake Patterson just recently retired from coaching. He could be back though. Sometimes you just get to a point. We've been doing it for so long. This is the point. You need to stay at home for family reasons, yes. business reasons, or whatever. It's when you were doing it competitively, and then you're back on the tour again, turning up at events, and then yeah, sometimes you just need a breather at some point. Uh, Richard Marsh is there more than anybody at the moment, putting in um, some some huge time there with some great servers. He's he coaches Ryan Callan and does a fantastic job. So there's a few of the old boys that are still coaching there, and it's it's actually great when you turn up at the events and they're there, and you still you know you sit at the beach or you go for a surf down the beach and like, yep, we're still here. This is good. We're enjoying <laughs> this. We're still on the beach working. So. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic to see the guys that are there coaching and still still doing what they love. They, you know, sometimes you you watch a heat or you, you know, you might you, your athlete might not even take on too much of what you got to say, but when they go out there and um, and put on a great show or great performance, uh, it's really satisfying. Um, you know, even if they're not your your athlete, you know, they get out there and just being on the beach watching good jewels of good surfing to, to me it never gets old yeah absolutely and i wanted to go back to to joel parkinson i saw a video and i've actually never seen this before it's called falling where you have like the fin yeah. underneath the board and it's like yeah, a foiling. Yeah, they call it foiling. so it's up on like a keel yeah, I, I haven't done too much of it myself, but Joel's right into it, and it looks amazing. They go super fast because it's just up on the wing at the bottom of that board. You were on there having a, having such a good time on the video. <laughs> it took a little time to get used to it, but once you did, yeah. you were... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, it's funny. Uh, these days, at, at the moment, I'm, I'm in a phase, or I've been in a phase for 10 years of when there's no surf, I go mountain biking. Right. And Joel's like, you got to get into foiling with me. We've got to go foiling. Go, okay, 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 I'll go. Come and teach me. I did a couple of lessons. I kind of got it going, but I just haven't got into that point that when the way, because the waves have got to be small, right, you know, just start foiling and, and stuff like that. But I just can't not go mountain biking when there's no surf. It just takes the time. I go, am I going to get up there and go foiling? No, I'm going to go mountain biking. So, I haven't, and funnily enough, I went mountain biking with Joel last week on the Gold Coast, so he's starting to get the bug as well. It's pretty fun, um, pretty pretty fun sport with some great trails through Australia now, so really enjoying that when there's no surf. Yeah, that's really cool, yeah. So you mountain bike riding, snowboarding, go on to watch the V8s as well. Big fan of the V8s, right? Yeah, massive fan of the supercars. Um Funnily enough, my wife works for Fox Sports and uh, I was about seven, uh, five or six years now. She drove home from work and rang me and was like, wow, you, 
you thought you loved me before, you're going to love me even more now. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, well, they've just made me the host of supercars. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> you, know, you know, since watching Bathurst with my dad when I was young, um, yes. you know, just getting up early and watching Bathurst since I was, you know, before I was even double digits, I think. Loved it. Loved the supercars. And then all of a sudden my wife's the host of the of the whole coverage. It was like, wow, this is a dream come true. So. <laughs> There's a lot of supercar talk around this house. There's, you yes. know, being married to a to a sport, sports journalist is pretty awesome. It's there's sport going on in this house. It's it's yes. everywhere. There's never not, there's never not too much. So um, yeah, blessed on that side. It's it's pretty fun. And that was my next question. Um, you doing lots of traveling as well. You need to have an understanding family, and it definitely seems to be there, right? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Like uh, Jess is doing fantastic at her career, and for me, that's a priority. I've I've had my career. My career was a professional surfer. Um, we make her career a priority. It, it does keep a really good balance. That she's um, doing a fantastic job uh, working there at Fox, and she works on the rugby league now. Some cricket. Yes, I see her all the time on the cricket. <laughs> the cricket yeah, rugby so, league. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you know she's at that age that she's she's doing really well, and she's at that point when she's uh, at the top of her game. So you know I've got to give her as much time as she possibly can to do that, and it does make the balance around our house pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And you're saying just uh, quickly before, like, uh, how, how do you still sort of stay fit now? Are you on like a like a strict diet or program? Uh, I should be on a stricter diet than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I love a beer. I love uh, a barbecue. Um, yeah, so I do bend the rules quite a bit, but I do go to the gym quite a bit as well. Um, I mountain bike a lot. I can do yeah. up to 30, 40 Ks a week if there's no surf. Um, go to the gym to lean performance. A good mate of mine's got a gym down there that's specifically uh, just down the road here in Cronulla that, um, I've been helping him quite a bit with just uh, specific surf training for the young kids around here and even for the older guys trying to stay fit and stay in the water and stay at their best level. So, um, yeah, I, I trained yesterday. Uh, the waves were good today. I didn't train in the gym. So, yeah, I, I'm trying my best to stay as fit as I can for my age. And um, yes. diet could be better, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> you get to that age, you you're just like, yeah, I'll, you know, have another beer. Why or, not? Yeah. <laughs> One more. <laughs> and it also says here, just uh, getting close to wrapping it up here, a property development in Bali. Tell us a little bit about this. This is like after your career, right? Yeah, a couple of good friends of mine, uh, Tony Cannon and Tony DeLead are the major shareholders of Commune. Um, we we did have one hotel on the Gold Coast, but was sold recently, and another one at Karamas in Bali. It's mainly those guys' venture, but um, lucky enough to have a small percentage there. And um, in the beginning, yeah, just being part of that in the face of that, and and making sure that it was uh, surfer friendly because it's right in front of one of the best waves in Bali. Um, and working with uh, Tony Cannon has been inspiration. He's a he's a fantastic um, you know developer that that has always come up with really really nice um, nice buildings and and that's a passion uh, you know architect 
architecture is a passion of mine as well. I've never, I'm not an architect or I've never studied to be one, but I'll travel, I'll travel an hour to look at a building. I just love, uh, you know, modern, modern architecture. I think when I was a kid, I was in and out of houses being renovated or being built with my dad. And I think that's kind of stuck as well. I love, um, I know, I love different spaces and why they're being built certain ways. Mm. And, um, I've done some, I built my place with, uh, with Tony Longhurst, actually, or racing car driver. Uh, yeah, super right. uh, we, we built our place at Duramba Beach up there um, on, in Tweed Heads. Done a couple of other property development developments also. And then Tony Cannon was kind enough to ask me to, to come and work a bit with those guys on Commune in Bali. So it's another passion of mine. Um, the house we're in now, we only finished it two and a half years ago. We 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 really enjoyed our spot. We're in a really old house here, and we pulled it down and built another one. So, right. yeah, I really enjoy that part of um, yeah. I, I just I just love building great spaces and then watching them work and and seeing the way. You know, you put all that thought thought into it, and then people go and use it. And you're like, okay, they are using it like that. Oh, that is working. <laughs> that, that, I, I don't know. It just, yeah, it makes the mind tick, and I enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. What does the future hold for Luke Egan? Family time uh, is the priority. Got a nine-year-old daughter Isabella and a ten-month-old uh, son called Sam. Sam the second. Uh-huh. and um you know being here in canola traveling with them i can't wait you know usually my family are coming and meeting me all around the world if i've got to work in the contest you know we, yes. we try and make it you know this, this is uh the second season that well, i haven't had my whole family for at least two or three weeks in hawaii we it's a special time for us so we're really dying to get that tradition going again with the family and um doing some coaching and then Maybe some property developing. I'd I'd love to go mm. and uh, new projects, um, and just still coaching and surfing. Yeah, just trying to dabble in it, dabble in all that kind of stuff and enjoying myself. Um, I did a lot of hard yards when I was young, trying to get my surfing career to where it was. So, yeah, these days it's all about having fun and watching my family grow and 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 being with them and um, trying to spend as much time with my mom and dad in the future as well so uh yes yeah it's amazing and uh social medias luke where, where can we find you on i don't know instagram definitely yeah um instagram just at luke egan um pretty much the only one only platform that i use i'm a little lazy on the others i don't check <laughs> facebook too much i get there and like got to start every reply to people like oh i'm so sorry i haven't been here for a while and it's been- <laughs> Um, yeah, Instagram. I have uh, LukeEgan.com, um, where uh, just for if people want to know more, some information about um, my coaching or anything like that. At, the, at this point, um, I only do one-on-one coaching, or I coach at the elite level. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and um, that's probably it. That, 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 yeah, just Instagram is the best platform for social media. And uh, what would you say to someone that's starting off? I mean, you, you've you, you've grown up surfing, you know, it's in your family. Uh, what would you say to someone that, that's starting off that wants to be a surfer like you? What advice would you give to them? 
Um, if you really want to go out and enjoy being a surfer, make sure you allocate enough time and be very patient to get yourself to the level you want to get to. It takes a lot of time, um, you know, but in saying that, you, once you get to a point and you're in the ocean, you know, in the, all these different moods and, uh, you know, and with that people that are fun to surf with and stuff, uh, there's so many different things with surfing surfing can go from you just want to be really mellow and be out there and just enjoy what maybe the weather's doing the sky might be going pink it might be going dark from dark cloud or the wind might be coming or it might have died off it can change your moods um into all these great things so allocate the time and be patient just go out there as much as you possibly can and enjoy yourself and and listen to the guys that you get, you know, at the surf schools yes. or whatever and get advice and make sure you buy the right equipment that they're telling you to buy for what level that you're at. Living on the ocean and living on the beach is a great life. And, yeah, just allocate as much time as you possibly can and enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Luke, uh, just to finish off, I just asked some quick questions, like, just outside of surfing just uh, to know you a, a little bit better. So are you ready to go? Like your top two or three things as of today. Um, are you ready? Yep. Okay. So what are your two or three top favorite bands or musicians? Oh, wow. Uh, bands. <laughs> my my daughter plays all the music in the car. So at the moment, <laughs> so sideways bands. ACDC. <laughs> come on, come on. Yeah, we've got a got a photo of Angus in our house. So, oh nice. Um, yeah, ACDC would be number one, and then I like it, I like getting into the mellower stuff as well. But let's just leave it at that. ACDC. All right. And movies. Uh, what are your top two or three favorite movies? Uh, the Santa movie, the Santa documentary, was my favorite movie of all time. Yellowstone. It's not a movie. It's a I've been so into Yellowstone. My Me wife. too. I'm, I'm up to season we four don't have now. Left. I'm on a binge. We don't have I'm any left to watch. We're just we're devastated. <laughs> We've watched all of it. We're finished, <sighs> and uh, we really enjoyed it. It was awesome. So good. And then um, what else have I watched? Surfing wise, the uh, the new Big Wave one is fantastic. I've only watched a couple. Hundred uh, Foot Wave with Garrett McNamara. I think I've just watched a little bit of it. I, I've been kind of saving it to watch it and i've just started and it looks fantastic yeah absolutely two or three top favorite sporting teams uh the knights for sure i've always liked the chicago bulls basketball uh mary the surfball club <laughs> go on <laughs> give me your two or three top favorite international places that you've been to and then three places that you'd like to go to in the future i love hawaii indonesia um south africa and france i'd love to go to chile there's great surf in chile i like i just i've never experienced that culture before i've never been to el salvador either and that'd be interesting as well yeah absolutely last question luke who is your greatest inspiration or hero and why my greatest inspiration uh is probably my dad he's done exactly what he's wanted to do all his life and thoroughly enjoyed it <laughs> he's just so talented with his hands and um everything he's ever done is he's done it to an a1 um to a you know a1 level so uh yeah that's always inspired me 
Absolutely. I think that's a good way to finish it off, Luke. Thank you very much for your time again. Amazing career. And it's great to see that you're still helping other young surfers develop, pave their career as well. And you're from Newcastle as well. So that makes it even great. So it's great to talk to another Novocastrian. So all the best for the future. And if you want to promote anything, come on anytime again. Cool. Thanks so much. I've uh, really enjoyed it.